Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Scott David Chase. This is my truth. Tell me yours. On this episode, um, I talked to Nathan Shoemaker again. Uh, Nate was on the podcast in October of 2020. We did it remotely because, you know, the world had shut down. Uh, so it was good to actually talk to him face to face. I've known Nate for quite some time, uh, and we're t- talking about his his band, The Burning Paris, who uh, reunited after nearly two decades of not making music together this past year, and they have a new record uh, about to be released called Everything is Broken and I Don't Feel a Thing. They're um, having a record release show at Bridge Nine Records in Beverly, Mass. on July 28th. And uh, I just, I, I watched a show there um, this past week with Nathan, uh, saw Caven perform there, but uh, um, it's a really cool venue. So if you have the chance to get down there, I highly recommend checking it out. Um, this is a pretty free form conversation. Uh, me and Nate are the same age approximately so we kind of geeked out about uh music also both of us our paths are from uh grew up in the church so we kind of touched on that a bit as well and uh yeah it's a pretty free form relaxed conversation but um it's always good to catch up with uh, nathan shoemaker uh hope you enjoy this chat It's funny because uh, this is your you're returning to the to the podcast, so I'll do it a little different than okay. how I normally do it. Okay, cool. How are you doing? Because I do. Um, I don't. You know, this podcast is normally just like a chat, just like a conversation. I don't have a ton of questions. However, starting with this season, I had yeah, I had some questions. They're not specific to you. But they're kind of like, and I would normally end the conversation with them, but for returning guests, I'm starting it out that way. Okay. Um, and it was, uh, um, well, because this is the third time to the charm recording this because, you know, you're supposed to do it twice in the last few yeah. weeks. And yeah. Oh. Scheduling yeah. Stuff, stuff mostly on my, on my fault. Uh, but, and then I got, I missed my exit and turned around and just like, you know, when I was texting you saying, Hey, I'll, you know, I'll be there in like 10 minutes, mm-hmm. which turned into 20 minutes because it's which is five o'clock in Boston. It was sort of like bittersweet because there was a dude on a bike in a swans t-shirt oh, nice. that passed me four times. Cause I was at a light and then mm-hmm. he would get ahead of me and then, you know, I'd get a green light and then I, oh, I yeah, yeah, so I'd pass him. I, I've seen that you've been listening to Swans lately. Yeah, well, they just put out a new record. Have you heard yeah. it? I haven't listened to it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on my list. But do, you, um, do you like the like the, the new Swans? Do you listen to the new Swans at I all? I don't. Yeah. I listen to Eagles of Light more. Sure. Yeah. Sure. It's more my jam, if you couldn't figure that out. Well, totally. I think that's <laughs> similar to a lot of the stuff that you create, too. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because I have to be in the right mood for... Michael Girard. Oh, absolutely. Particularly this incarnation of Swans, which, you know, 
I think this is the this is either the fourth or the fifth of this lineup. Not this lineup, although I think it's mostly the same lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, although the longtime guitar player whose name escapes me right now only plays on one song on the new record, but mm-hmm. it's like since he's like reformed Swans again, I think like in 2010, mm-hmm. and uh, he's got two drummers and two bass players now. Um, mm-hmm. But each of these albums are double CDs. Oh um, yeah, he likes to do that. He does. I mean, he definitely does not have like an editor working with him. That's what I'm talking about. It's like Brian Adams. Same yeah, thing. yeah. But it's it's a very. I think he knows his audience at this point, and it's you know he's giving them a, like I. It sounded exactly the way I was expecting it to. Mm-hmm. And I have to be in the right mood for it. Yeah. And luckily, working third shift, and you know, trying, trying to, to like, stay awake. Yeah, trying to stay well. It's very like because like the second CD only has two tracks on it, and the first track is forty five minutes long. It's just like it's like sleep. Yeah, yeah. or uh, or Connate or something. Yeah, or yeah. Or, or Sun or, yeah, or any yeah. of those like yeah. dirge bands. Um, just make fifty minute songs. Yeah, um, you just saw the cure didn't you i did on sunday how was that it was fantastic have you have you seen them before yeah i uh yeah our teleplayer jenny and i had seen them way back on wild boot swings tour okay and that was my first time seeing yeah. it but uh which was fantastic but i was a new fan back then yeah when i first saw it i didn't really know I had this girl in college I was hanging around with here and there, and she made... I didn't get the cure yeah. in high school. I didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. Yeah, and then she had made me a... a, a I'm going to date myself forever, and so she made me a mixtape yeah. of the cure. Nice. And then all of a sudden I got it. Yeah. I heard A Night Like This, and I was like, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I like this. And then slowly I just got more and more into it. And um, then I, when I was working up for Live Nation, I did the poster for the Curiosa tour yeah. in Mansfield. And and I got to meet him because of that, which was amazing. Yeah. But, but and that was 2004. Yeah. So it's been 19 years since I've seen him. Yeah. And they're just as good. Yeah. They don't yeah. change. They're just amazing. It's uh, it's funny because like I knew, like the time period between when the show was announced and when the show happened was pretty small. Because right. I saw the show announced and I was like, because I've I've still never seen them, and I technically could have gone, but I I just I didn't get my shit together, and then I was like yeah. seeing all the next day. Like, everyone I knew went to the show, and I was like, God damn it, I, sh- I should have gone to this show. Yeah, and you know, you gotta love the Robert Smith. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like, went out of his way to make the ticket prices lower. Yeah, I remember, I remember seeing that and him yelling at Ticketmaster for, like, all the fees, and... Yeah, and yeah. it, it was 90 bucks a ticket for where we were, and we were, like, halfway up in the pavilion. Yeah. And that was perfect. Yeah. I mean, I didn't need that. Was it in Mansfield? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was great. It was yeah. a beautiful night. And yeah. It was perfect weather, and it was just perfect. Nice. Yeah. Um, I um, it's funny. I didn't get the cure 
for the longest time. But I will say, in all fairness, I didn't try to get the cure. It was one of those things that, like... Did it just fall in your lap? No, I just very early on, because I was thinking about this, because um, very early on, I was like, oh, the cure's lame. And the, that's what I thought. Well, the reason <laughs> I realized following the paper trail back, way, way back on one of his early spoken word records, Henry Rollins talked shit about the cure. And I think he called Robert Smith like a fat clown. And, oh, but well, but when I was like 25, I thought Henry Rollins was the coolest guy in the world. And I'm like, well, if he doesn't like didn't him, I don't like him. Didn't we? Right. Oh, yeah. Cause now like he has, he definitely has more of a sense of humor about himself, but also there's a lot of stuff now with Henry. Cause like for the longest time, particularly his spoken word stuff, I was like, this guy's amazing. And now I'm just like, brevity, dude. Like, yeah, you know, right. people ask me all the time. They're like, are you going to go see him on spoken word tour? I'm like, no, the last time I saw him was four hours, you know, it was at yeah. Avalon it's, on Lansdowne street. It's, it's tar- tiresome. Yeah. And it was, we're sitting in metal folding chairs. There's no, no break. And like, you know, he, he, he spent a full hour and a half talking about seeing kiss on the reunion tour, which was interesting but it could have been a 20 minute story, not a 90 minute story. Yeah. So, but I've also like, you know, I've, you know, I've, I've long been a very opinionated person and I've yeah, realized, yeah, but I realize a lot of my opinions I made when, when I was, yeah, when I was young and yeah. taste change. So I kind of actively decided anytime I have a strong opinion about something, like I need to like, periodically check in and be like, do I really not like this or am I just being stubborn mm-hmm. and kind of coupled with, um, do you know, do you know Jeb Riley? Uh, oh yeah. yeah. From there Wars. Yeah. We used yeah. to share a practice with him. Oh, right on. Uh, yeah. so Jeb's my main tattoo artist. Yeah. Uh, I knew that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I had him on the podcast earlier this year, but, uh-huh. uh, it was even before he had tattooed me, but, um, cause he used to work at a shop in Portsmouth. That's how I met him. Mm-hmm. And I was getting tattooed and he was playing the cures all mixed up and, mm. you know, it was all like the extended mixes. Yes. And, I have that. um, I don't remember what song it was, but I was like, who is this? And he's like, it's the cure. And I was like, Oh really? And like, but I had been like digging it. It was like one of those long, like yeah. 12 minute the, the, like, remixes, remixes yeah. and it's mostly instrumental. And I was like, you know, and I was very like, mm-hmm into, you know, post-rock, Pelican, Isis. Um, we were promised jetpacks at the time. So it oh, kind yeah, of sure. reminded me of that. And that was sort of my way in with the cure. And then, like, I just kind of dove in. And then I was like, Rollins doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. I've been playing catch-up for the last decade or so. Yeah, but it's a great catalog to catch up on. Oh, for sure. And there's there's a wealth of stuff. So it's like, I mean, I do love it when I kind of, like, click with an artist that has a body of work so you can like you know too. you know I, I i did that with tate bush a few years ago yeah you know, someone i was always aware of but never like really dove in wasn't the stranger things no it was before that i, that <laughs> I was, was de- I, I was dating a goth girl at the time oh, and that was yeah, her yeah. you know her <laughs> you know it was it was either nice. tate bush or Susie sue was pretty much on constant <laughs> rotation and yeah which is fantastic yeah and then on weekends she would take a break and play Bjork, but you know, that was pretty much the, 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 the soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and I knew 
I actually knew running up that hill from placebo covered it. Uh, yes, you know? it did, and it was in um, it was in that show. What was it? The HBS show, uh, Big Little Lies. Yeah, it it was used on. And then, yeah, yeah. So when Stranger Things happened, like of course she was kind of mad. She was just like. Uh, now all these people. Yeah, know, right. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. It's, well, think about the younger generation who got into Metallica. Sure. Because of that, one, yeah, that usage. Yeah, yeah. But it's all like cyclical. Like I got into yeah Led Zeppelin a decade after they broke oh, up when I, I was in high it. school. You know? I got into it because my dad had the, the first record on vinyl. Right. And I used to listen to it all the time because I was like, this is cool. I can't believe my dad owns this. Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So this is all to say, this is all to lead into the questions, the, the six questions. Okay, we're getting there. Do hey. you remember what your first concert was? That you yes, went I do. To? What was it? Uh, Steppenwolf with the Guess Who opening. Oh, wow. At the Capitol Theater in Concord, New Hampshire. Wow. I grew up in New Hampshire. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I was in fifth grade. My dad took me. It was my first concert. Yeah. And I fell asleep about three songs into Steppenwolf. Were you awake for all the Guess Who? I watched the whole Guess Who. Nice. And I thought it was so interesting that they came out smoking cigarettes and right. with beer and all this stuff. I'm like, how do they play their instruments right. if they're drinking like that? I didn't get it. This, yeah. this must have been like... Oh, God, I was like in fifth grade. It must have been 82, 82 83, something like that? Probably something like that, yeah. Yeah. And... Um, but yeah, I remember it. And it was like it changed me. Yeah, just seeing live music. Like, I think I was more infatuated with the guest movie than I was Steppenwolf. Sure, even though I knew the songs, <laughs> but but I fell asleep, so I don't remember what that was. <laughs> well, that was sort of like already like kind of past the heyday for both of them. I would I would say. Or yeah, just I think like, it was a. It was they had crested and they were on the on, on the, the other side. Yeah, they're doing with like. The gin ball sometimes tell the way Sparker does. Right. Playing secondary markets and making a lot of money doing it. It's funny you should say that because my, my my good buddy Ryan, his band is opening for the gin blossoms in like a week. Uh-huh. So, they, uh, where's that? Um, I tell believe, me it's around here. I believe it's in New Hampshire. Um, I want to go. I'll I'll have to I'll have to show you the send you the details. Please um, do. Because I'm fuzzy on them. They've played with they they've played with the Jim Blossoms a few times before. I gotta, um, I gotta say I love the Jim Blossoms. Um, I'm I'm a pretty big fan, particularly New Miserable Experience. That's such a classic record. I like the one after two. Uh, congratulations! I'm sorry. Yeah, I do like it. Time. It's just yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> it's uh, I I mean I think. You know, losing Doug, Doug Hopkins as a songwriter between the two records that hurt them. Yeah, um, it was it, interestingly enough. My younger brother, mm-hmm. Chris, who has a recording studio in Dover, New Hampshire. Yeah, right out of college, once he got his degree for sound engineering, worked for Robin Williams, uh, Robin Wilson. Sorry, uh, yeah. the lead singer of the Gin Blossoms. Yeah, he ran his studio in Tempe, Arizona, for a couple years. Oh, so, no kidding. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So, small so world. Yeah, very small world. And, you know, yeah. But um, they played with, they're playing with them. They played with Soul Asylum last summer. Um, That's cool. Uh, it was just Dave Perner. It was like acoustic Soul Asylum. So it was just Dave Perner and yeah, the whoever's like, playing guitar with them now. Cause yeah. It's, it's Dave's, basically just him. Yeah. Dave's the only original member. <laughs> but, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So let me think. I, I have my questions written down, but I'm trying to remember them. So uh, oh. Beatles or Stones? I'm a Stones dude. All right. Yeah, my dad raised me on the Stones. I love the Beatles too. Sure. But I related more to the Stones. I think the, I'm going to embarrass the hell out of myself, but yeah. I'm going to do it anyway. First first song I ever played air guitar to was, yeah. um, uh, was a Stone song off of Get Your Yaw-Yaws Out. Yeah. Midnight Rambler. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, that made me what I do now. I don't know. That's a, that's a, that's it made a... me want to play the guitar. It made me want to be able to have the confidence to do that. Yeah. People someday. And I don't know. I attribute that to a lot of things. <laughs> that's I also awesome. attribute Ario Speedwagon's high infidelity to my catalog of things that inspired me too. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I've got uh, I got a couple friends that are big Ario Speedwagon fans. I, my dad gave me High Infidelity on vinyl in Christmas 1980. It's the first record I ever owned, and yeah. I still own it. I um, I they were they might have been the first band where I like took took notice of like play on words with yes. with with album titles. Yeah. Um, do they also have the you can't tune a piano. Yeah, you, you can tune a fish. Yeah. Wait, you can't tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish. Right. Yeah, that one. I don't um, like that tone as much. I, for the longest time, like all through high school and stuff, when I was first like aware of music, mm-hmm. I always I thought they were called Rio Speedwagon, and I didn't realize it was R-E-O <laughs> until, you know, like 15 years ago. I used to get it confused when I was little, because you gave it to me when I was in like fifth grade. Yeah. You know, it's like, and so... I was kind of confused with Oreo Speedwagon. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I was, uh, I, I also loved, there was a, there was like a, I think they were metal. Might have been like a sludge rock band or whatever called Oreo Speed Dealer. Yes. Which was a great band name, but then they got a cease and desist and then they just became Speed Dealer, which yeah. is not nearly as great a name as, I remember more, that. yeah, like the, yeah. like friend, there was that. Friends of Dean Martin band, that then they got sued, so then they became oh, Friends of Dean Martinez. Oh, which, I didn't know that was the same thing. <laughs> yeah, which I'm just like, which is not a bad band name, but it doesn't like, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean anything. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's just funny where we all, I think the whole, all of music lineage is just funny. It's amazing what, I find as we get older, we are less concerned about saying what our ultimate starting points were. Sure. I think so. It's yeah. like, I'm more than happy to admit that my senior year of college yearbook, we had yearbooks where I went. Right. And, um, they said, you have to put a senior year quote. Yeah. I just put the gin blossoms. Nice. Do you think it'll be all right if I just crash here tonight? And <laughs> I ran it. And I'm like, Really, this isn't poignant. I just thought the exercise was dumb. Right. So <laughs> my my high school yearbook, uh, I did the 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 obligatory uh, Grateful Dead. What a long strange trip it's been. Oh. I didn't even listen to the Dead at the time, so I told you what <laughs> what a poser my entire existence has been. Yeah. So it's funny because I I I dabble in the Grateful Dead now. But it's one of those things that I 
don't like to admit to deadheads because I don't want to get into the conversation. You know what I mean? Like, Fair enough. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those things that like I I uh, I really like Robert Hunter as a lyricist. Absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and I Jerry Garcia is like one of my favorite guitar players, but you know, mm-hmm. as far as like the the whole cult around it, um, I'm just like I have no problem with it. It's just not my scene, and yeah, like, you know, yeah. it's funny. I made a, uh, um, I made a mashup, steal your face, shirt that I put the the cave in satellite. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, 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 that's cool. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. You should make shirts of that if they would like. Uh, yeah, uh, but uh, no, I mean, I, I grew up in New Hampshire, so that stuff was all around me. Yeah. And, my two brothers were hippies, and you know, God bless them for all of it. And right, might listen to this, so I'm gonna be polite about it. <laughs> I can't stomach that crap because yeah. everybody's all around it. Yeah. and then fish happened, and I was like, "Yeah, no, shoot you. me in the face, get yeah. me out of the Hampshire." <laughs> well, my first exposure to the dead because I had seen like because I'm I'm a I'm. I'm a pastor's kid. I was raised very oh, conservative. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. And so we weren't allowed to listen to secular music for the longest time. Yeah. So, and I went to Christian schools for up until sixth grade. And oh, I, you didn't go to college or Christian school? No, 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 no. I didn't go. And I went to public school, sixth, seventh, eighth, and all of high school. But, yeah. um, and that's when I started, you know, that's when I went down the rock and roll path, you know, started yeah. discovering my own you, music. You just got out of secular. Uh, Non-secular music. Right. And so I would see, and this is, you know, 1990, 1991. Sure. And I'm seeing people at school with, like, you know, the Iron Maiden shirts with Eddie. Yeah. Which I was like, whoa. You know, it's it's basically this, like... He's not exactly a skeleton because he's got the muscle muscle, um, tone on him, but... So then I started seeing Grateful Dead shirts with all the skeleton, you know, the skull, uh, skull and everything. Oh, so I'm yeah. just assuming the Grateful Dead must also be metal. Uh, oh. you know, particularly because they're called the Grateful Dead. I'm and like, the what's, logo, the logo yeah. Looks metal. yeah, I'm like, yeah. what's more metal than like being grateful that you're dead? And I was like, so when I first listened to them, I was like, what the hell is this hippie shit? Like, <laughs> that, like, that's basically how I felt too. Yeah, I, I was really, like, I thought these guys were gonna rip it up, but nah, yeah, no, no, you just find Maiden, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I, well, it's funny. I did not get it because, like, Iron Maiden was one of those things that, like, the two bands that I think that were, well, actually, the three bands that I was like forbidden, forbidden from listening to, and that was like gonna like destroy my whole life was. Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, and Kiss. Sure. Uh, and, Demonic as hell. Yeah. So yeah. it wasn't until my like late thirties that I actually like delved into their catalog. Right. And but then at that point I had been listening to much heavier stuff. Right. And then so I was kind of like, it's like quaint almost, like you know, cause, especially because like Bruce Dickinson's very like operatic his voice, where like most of the heavy stuff that I listen to is usually like growled or screaming vocals so i was just like oh it's yeah. cute he's like putting on a show you right know? Yeah. yeah yeah you know i think I, I if i had heard it when i was 16 i probably would have been intimidated but you know and i was like 38 i was just like 
Oh, this is cute. I was scared of this for the longest time. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, in high school, I started, well, I guess, like, late junior high. Mm-hmm. I was, I guess, like, seventh, eighth grade. I was into, like, a lot of cock rock. Yeah. You know, that kind of lame shit. You know? Well, that was what was huge at that time. Well, also, to me, it was heavy. Right. Like, at the moment. And then I just gravitated to things that were more and more heavy. By ninth yeah. grade, it was Metallica, Testament. Yeah. You know, things like that, Flotsam and Jetsam and yeah. stuff like that. And then by junior year of high school, I mean, then it was like skate punk and right. hardcore bands. And then by the end of high school, I was cranking death metal like nobody's business. Like, yeah. Morbid Angels, still one of my favorite bands. But, yeah. like, you know, and um, I was doing all that. And then, and, and then for some reason or another, I just... Yeah, I was hanging out with these dudes, and I just started thinking, like, okay, I want to be Jesus-y. Right. And I kind of bought into the Jesus train, and, yeah. and then I was going to art school in Hartford, and then, so I, I stopped listening to secular death metal, yeah. and then I found Christian thrash bands, yeah. which I thought were good. Right. Going back to it, no. Well, like, who's, I'm trying to think, like, who's... Deliverance. Someone? Oh, okay. Yep. Remember that? Yep. Believer. Yep. Believer was great. Oh, they were my favorite band. They actually did the. They recorded the first Everdown record. Interesting. Two and a half years after I got into them. Yeah. So I was like on cloud now. Yeah. But um. But yeah. So it was like. You know, and then and then I, so I transferred to a Christian college, Gordon. Yeah. And then, uh, that's where I met most of my friends. Right. And good friends that I'm still in touch with, and then. Yeah, but then by the time I graduated Gordon, I'm like, uh-oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not really feeling it anymore. I still have moral values, but right. I, that was done with it. Yeah, that's interesting. There's a... A lot of people who came out of there are not really going for it. For sure, for sure. It's funny because I still have an old, like a long... We're going back probably 40 years, an old family friend who mm-hmm. has been working... He used to be a co-pastor with my father at the church, mm-hmm. but he's been working at Gordon off oh, and on really? for cool. like 20 years. But oh, that's, that's I think it's I still would. after after you would have graduated. Yeah, I graduated in 96. So. Yeah, so I think, yeah, it was probably around probably around 2000 that he started. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the thing is, is I, I met some of my greatest friends because the sure. Everdown was a quote-unquote Christian band, even yeah. though we weren't really all that christian We didn't sure. talk about it. Right. Um, but we were kind of ostracized for a while. Yeah. Like, because, like, we never got to play with Converge. We never got to play with bands like that right. that much. We were friends with the only living witness, but yeah. we didn't get to play with them all that much. And then, um, but then, you know, which is funny to me, the dichotomy, because now it's like you can walk into... A record store and see what an under oath record is worth an old one right and they're like their old records are christian as heck and, right you know and it's like well back then you weren't you guys weren't liking that stuff now you love it right yeah right what the hell i there, think we trendset a little bit there was definitely like 20 years ago this huge like shift where like it, a lot of people who were particularly in the heavy scene were like totally fine with like 
it, it, it happened bands. Well, there was like a light switch that yeah. went off where it was like if you're a good band yeah we don't give a shit what you're saying about it and what, who was it uh but a lot of those christian bands too like have real personal problems well there's the one guy who hired a hitman to to kill his wife as a yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i have friends who are friends with them yeah yikes um but uh the other thing is too it's like the like there's lots of addiction going on for bands. sure like because if you think about it you have to pretend you're something you're not sure all, all the time it's like yeah i mean <laughs> i tell the greatest story about about uh, mxpx back in the day yeah they were on like their first or second tour yeah and they had to go out with this band blenderhead yeah and uh, the had a, this one of the guys at the label was in Blender. Yeah, they took him on tour because their parents would let them go on tour. They were like sixteen, right, for the summer, and yeah. then we're like smoking cigarettes and we're like out back behind this venue. We're playing with them. Yeah, <laughs> and they come out and they go, "Oh, you guys smoke?" And we're like, "Oh man, we're in trouble now." Right, and then they're like, "Cool, come and bump some." <laughs> they never heard this. They laugh because they would remember it. But do you know? It, just fun trivia fact for you, um, which I this just triggered a memory. Do you know what MXPX stands for? Magnified Plaid. Yeah, they were yeah. like almost a ska band for a minute. Yeah, yeah, and it was like because originally, like on flyers, it was like the two X's were like the periods, but they were like really X's, small. Yeah, yeah, yeah and uh, yeah, um, yeah. That's funny, man. I haven't thought about them in forever. Yeah, they're still a band. They're still going. There was, um, there was one band. There was a Christian band. I think they were also on like Tooth and Nail or Solid State. What's that? Um, Wish for Eden. Yeah, that was the first Tooth and Nail band. Yeah, they yeah, were. They were awesome. I had that Pet the Fish album. Which yeah, that's was great. That's what I wanted to do. That's what I thought, and yeah. it reminded me a lot of like Helmet and stuff yeah. like that and Quicksand. The the owner of Tooth and Nail used to always say. Same great riff, same great song, because it all sounds the same. For sure, for yeah, sure. But it's great. It's a gr- same great song. Yeah, and it's like it's fantastic. They're great. And yeah, then, yeah. I don't know. It was fun being on that label back then because it was just like we couldn't believe we were getting record deals. Yeah, I mean we're from New Hampshire. Yeah, you know we we went from putting out a hundred demo tapes, we probably gave half of them away. Right. And uh, next thing you know, we're selling like. Thousands upon thousands of records. It yeah, it's insane. Yeah, and then people are singing your songs back to you, and you're like, "I wasn't the happiest writer of Christian lyrics." Right. <laughs> so, which probably is understood by my newer material, but like, <laughs> but uh, but <laughs> but it's just funny because it's like these kids are screaming it back, and I'm like, "Dude, you don't know what you're saying about really." It's like, but they, they you know they look up to you. So you have to be a role model right. on top of being like, I just want to play guitar and throw my guitar around and right. have feedback, man. I told you, I'm not here to preach to you. I'm not here to talk about your walk with Jesus or anything like right. that. Just let me play my guitar and you guys have fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I don't know, but we had to play the part of it a little bit. That got annoying. I remember, uh, you remember, you remember Zao? Yeah, they've been around forever. Yeah. They're still around. They're still around. And they're um, still good, too. Pretty I, good. It's. I, I actually think they're better now than they were like 20 years ago. But 20 years ago, they were young as hell. Right. They're but better now. They have a... They did like a... 
History of the Band DVD, I don't know, 15 years ago. Oh, did they? And it's really long. It's like three hours long, but there's stuff from the uh-huh. early incarnation of the band where they're playing like the Cornerstone Festival. Yeah, and, stuff like that. Play the and they were like, they were talking about like in between songs, they were like trying to get people to like come up and like make commitments to God and, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just yeah, like, yeah. all right. Yeah. But it's funny because there's literally no original ba- band members. No, left there's that no. Band. Yeah. That's like Nora Jean, do you think? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Same thing, you know what they're saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, look, I mean, I like Nora Jean. I kind of, I'm not wild about the new one, but, uh, but I like some of their stuff, their older stuff. And then say, oh, I like some of it. Yeah. Some of it's cool. Some of it's kind of like, eh, whatever. Yeah. I love the, the tooth and nail bands I really gravitated to our older years. Um, and I didn't get it at the time, but 90 pound list was fantastic. Yeah. And, um, and, um, training for utopia. Yeah. Yeah. And then my last favorite one that I would I still listen to all the time, the Chariot. Yep. Oh yep. my god, they were devastating to watch live. Yep. So good. I never saw them. Never saw them. Yeah, they're fantastic. They just break their instruments every night. <laughs> it's insane. It's like absolutely insane. But I, they don't do it anymore. I can't so. imagine how that's like like financially viable, especially because like they're not selling. I like, think they use the same instruments. They just throw them around. Throw them around and then yeah. piece them back together. Yeah, in it's the just van. noisy, awesome. Yeah, it's like, and they're so intense and so good at what they're doing. It doesn't matter whether they're in tune. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, All right. touching on what you were saying about you know writing lyrics and stuff, mm-hmm. so. You have a new record uh, yes. from the Burning Paris. Uh, Everything is broken, and I don't feel a thing. Is did I get the title correct? You got it correct. Thank I was you. going going over it in my head yeah, today. I, I gave you a long one to remember. Yeah, um, that's okay. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's a great album. I really like it. Thank um, you, sir. Um, and it's it's coming out July or August. July fourteenth. Okay. Funny enough, when the release date was planned. We did not realize that it's actually Bastille Day that day. Interesting. Which makes it even more fun. Sure, I mean, sure. Does anybody really celebrate Bastille Day that much in this country? Not in this country. Not but in this country. It's kind of ironic and funny. And sure. It was a total accident. Right. You know, uh, my girlfriend figured out, it's not Bastille Day. And I was like, oh, yeah, it is actually. It is. <laughs> That's funny. So who's um, uh, Who's putting it out? We're doing it with Pax Eternum, okay. which is the, the technically the digital imprint of Dark Operative. Yeah, that used to be a Magic Bullet. Yeah, and um, um, Brent, we worked with Brent back in the day. He yeah. did our anthology back in the day. He did um, the second Burning Paris record, and yeah. we we were talking about other labels, but then it kind of made sense to do it with him. The Apex Eternum, and we wanted to do the vinyl. He didn't want to do it on Dark Operative. Yeah. Um, because he's tired of dealing with pressing plants at this point. Yeah. And because it just takes forever and it's a nightmare and he doesn't want to deal with it. So he's been really focusing on packs. So we decided to go with him, but he also is letting us run the vinyl through. Yeah. Which is great. So with so we kinda won, he won and it's like a perfect deal. Yeah. And so yeah, the record starts streaming on July twelfth. Yeah. And then the final and everything will be available 
on July 14th. Gotcha. Whether it's showing up in stores on the date, I don't know yet. Sure, but, sure. But there is distribution. We have that. And yeah. That's cool. I just don't know how fast it's going to be out there. I have noticed, unless you're like Taylor Swift or Metallica, like release dates are kind of like fluctuating. Very much so. It's yes. like, eh, you know, we'll get it eventually. We're going to have them available. They'll be available. Yeah. Just be a mail order for sure. Yeah. But they just might not be. You might not have it in hand on the 14th. You might not have it in hand. You're probably not going to have it in hand on the 14th, definitely. And you're not going to necessarily always find it in your favorite store right away. Sure. Sure. But it will get there. Yeah, but you do have distribution, so if someone's listening to this and wants to get it and has a record store, go to the record store and ask them to order it. Absolutely, and that's what we would really appreciate because it's kind of a grassroots effort. We're building this thing back up, and and it's been 20 years, man, since we did anything. What was the... um, Because the last time I talked, I can't remember if Lavinia was still an active band or if it had just imploded. Gotcha. Yeah, there was talk of trying to put it back together with some other people, but it never went anywhere. And then the pandemic happened. Right. Yeah, we were were talking in the pandemic. Yeah, it was about six months into the pandemic last time we talked. Yeah. So between now and then, what made you decide to do the Burning Paris thing? Well... I was living with Jenny, our cello player. Yeah. I'd moved from Philly back up here. Uh, I didn't have anywhere to live. Mm-hmm. And um, the uh, um, and I was kind of escaping from Philly for a variety of reasons. Yeah. And, um, which I won't get into, but the no, so I moved up and she let me live in her house, yeah. which is fantastically nice and wonderful. And and um, and I moved up here, and then I actually got sober, which yeah. was fantastic. And I have a new lease on life thanks to her and other people. But that's awesome. Um, but um, no, we, she and I got bored in the pandemic and started writing tunes. And and Chris, the original bass player, got in touch and wanted to play music. Yeah. And we weren't sure what we were going to do with it. So it wasn't necessarily, at the beginning, it wasn't the intention, this is going to be the Burning Paris. No. Just like, let's make music. We actually thought, it, we thought we were going to be a call it something different. Right. But then I was talking to a few label buddies who were, I mean, I was just telling them we were doing stuff. And, and a couple of them were saying, like, uh, we would never try to break a new band now. Yeah. And they're just like, it's impossible. Yeah. Like, there's too many bands and too many new names, and it's impossible to get a foothold. Yeah. So then we ran into Brad, our drummer, at, um, at a Caspian show at the Sinclair. Yeah. And uh, when they did two nights there, and yep. ran into him, and we'd known Brad forever. He actually played in One Fire for five minutes. Okay. And, uh, and we were talking to him, and then we started playing. We start, We didn't play with him right away, but he was in. We decided, I mean, obviously we couldn't find a drummer for a while. Yeah. And then and then after, like, um, and then Josh, the original guitar player, was going to try to do it, but he lives in northern New Hampshire, and it's yeah. just impossible yeah. to, yeah. And then after playing a little bit, we were just kind of, Josh was still going to try to do it. 
and I sent out a text message and just goes, <laughs> do you think we should just call it the Burning Paris? And everybody unanimously said yes. Yeah. And so we did. And yeah. yeah. The other members who used to be in it were fine with it. Yeah. And so. Well, and there's a history there already. So Yeah. Uh, so we thought we have a leg up. You sure. Know? And like, let's just use the name because we and play the songs because yeah. we we're playing them originally. We can play them again. Yeah, and, and then we can write new stuff. And yeah, so that's how we ended up back here. Right. And you know, and then we didn't know what we were gonna do. We just had a bunch of songs and we started working on the three of us. And there you go. It's like everything started falling into place. We yeah. got John who was in Lavinia. Uh, at the end, uh, he put on the last record. He moved up from Texas and um, started. He wrote the record with us, and we did a Starflyer '59 cover. Okay, which is out. And then after that, it was just kind of like we just uh, we just like we started playing some shows, and people seemed to care still. And yeah, we had a lot of plays and everything. So, That's know, awesome. Yeah, so I don't know. It's a great album too. It's um, thank you. It's funny because like when I started buying my own music, you know, mm-hmm. it was like the early nineties, and a lot of albums that came out around the time, you know, CDs were the the format. And, sure. Yeah. And so a lot of new albums, like I remember, it was you know, Blood Sugar Sex Magic came out, and that's like oh yeah, it's like a seventy two minute album it's like 17 songs you know metallica black album oh yeah like all these they were like you know ambitious ambitious and like an hour plus albums where i've noticed in the last like five years like a lot of bands are now you know going back to like a 40 minute album 35 minute album Mm -hmm. um and I wonder how much, because now, as far, like, obviously people are not buying physical media the way they used to, so a lot of times when people are making a re- making, I call any recorded medium a record, regardless of if it's CD, you know, vinyl, yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's what it is, yeah. But um, I notice, you know, like, vinyl is now the biggest selling of the physical media, mm-hmm. so I wonder, like, was that... Because cause this, this album's just a, around 40 minutes long. Yeah, 39 or yeah. something. Was like that. that a conscious effort to be like, well, this is going to be, we, we want to press it on vinyl, this is the length we're going for, or is it just, this uh, is the song, the this, songs we have? These are the songs we wrote, and honestly, I think it wasn't a conscious effort. Yeah. And I think some of them are a little bit more shorter in length because... I hate to say it, we did kind of write songs back yep. in the day. Yeah. But we were more into like the drony, long winded stuff back sure. then, which we still enjoy. Yeah. And a couple of the tunes are long. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we realized like, I think we realized we could write a more concise song. Sure. That has just as much of an impact. Yeah. Without having to have it be like, you know, we don't need to write an eight minute song every time. Right. You know, because it's like one. We like to play songs. Yeah. And if you only have, like, songs that are like seven or eight minutes, you're only going to get to play so many. Right. And, you know, it wasn't really a conscious decision. Yeah. But it was kind of like, when a song feels right, shorter, feels right. Sure. And so 
we got more interested in songwriting than we did than we were back on the day. Yeah. It was like we wanted to create a mood then. Yeah. But we could still have a mood and have a shorter song. Sure. So well, I remember um because you you know you sent me uh, a link to listen to the record yeah. beforehand, yeah. and you know I saw the first track. It's like it's like a minute and fifty two seconds or something like intro that. Intro too. Yeah. So at first I was like, oh maybe this is just like an intro or whatever. But you know then I listened to it. And I'm like, no, this is a complete song yeah. in and of itself. It's not like yeah, you it's know, a segue into that first track. Yeah, the but it's track. yeah, no, it it's it's great, but it's it's its own thing. It's its own entity, and you know gets in, sets the mood for the whole record, and then gets out. Like, right. Yeah. And we'll never play that first song without the song comes after it. Right. We could play the first the song that comes after it on its own, but the, the two are attached. Sure. The sure. same thinking process. So yeah. It's like that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's like, there's definitely a mood in this record that is cohesive, which is cool. I mean, I, I've never written a record that has every song kind of a, intertwined with it so yeah so. did you i know that um you know last time we talked we talked a lot about um the visual work that you you've done on other people's albums and you know gig posters stuff like that did you do the artwork for this record yeah well? i did yeah. yeah i mean i bounced some ideas off my friend tim o'donnell who used to work at 4ad he helped us with a logo which we didn't end up using it for the record because it just didn't quite work, but we are going to use it for something. Yeah. But, um, the, um, yeah, I did all the artwork and I had time to work on it because yeah. we were still building the band and figuring out what we were doing and writing tunes. And I had a lot of time to really sit with it and make it mean what I wanted it to mean. Yeah. And versus like, oh, that's a cool image. Let's screw with that and make it interesting. And then just, there's the album cover. I yeah. really had to put a lot of thought into it, and because this record means a lot, and like to me, because there's a lot of really stuff that's important to me in it, and so I wanted the art to really represent it. Yeah. Was the <clears throat> how much did the pandemic influence the writing process for for these songs? I think a lot of like. I'd say about half of the tunes were in, in when the pandemic was still yeah. going. I mean, a lot of them were just riffs I started writing. Yeah. And then Johnny started playing with me on some of it. And then there was a bunch of stuff that we wrote that we just threw out. It was just kind of like <laughs> fucking around shit. Sure. And then, and then it turned into Chris got it. And then we were kind of like, you know, actually, these are cool tunes. Let's try it. We threw some stuff out, but then... A bunch of it stuck, you know, yeah. and it took a lot of rearranging and stuff and getting them to be real songs. Yeah. At first, we were just kind of screwing around because God knew when the world was going to open back up. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Um, but I'm glad, I mean, they all came together pretty good, you know, and I think doing the Starflyer 59 cover, yeah. um, we did it for a compilation. I think that made us a band again. Yeah. Just having to go do that. I mean, we learned it in a weekend mm-hmm. and then recorded it the following weekend. Yeah. So, I mean, we barely played with Brad at all. We played with him once to learn the tune and mm-hmm. we recorded it with him. So, and it was just like, okay, cool. That's coming out in the world. Let's work on other stuff. Right. 
What's the name of that compilation? Do you know? It's called Major Awards. Yeah. And uh, our tune's actually on Spotify. Gotcha. We put it out. Cool. Uh, I'm not entirely sure where you're allowed to, but we did it anyway. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And Universal, you can find Scott, and he can you can sue me through him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, they own all that stuff. So, right. Um, but uh, anyway, so no. Yeah, I don't know. It's like it just came together pretty organically. Yeah. I know that's cheesy to say because people say that, but it's it. No. I mean, that's that's how stuff happens a lot of times. It's funny because I think the first time we actually connected, uh, well, we met at uh, Stephen Brodsky's show years ago. But yes. um, it was through a different compilation tribute album because uh, one of your previous bands on fire recorded yeah. Heliotropic for a failure uh, tribute record that uh, never ended up coming out because uh, my label um, was putting it together and then we made the mistake, well in retrospect it was a mistake mm-hmm. getting some major label bands involved and then it just took off into this huge thing that like just it got crushed under its own weight um, yeah. I just my biggest claim to fame uh, around that was it got mentioned in uh, Alternative Press, which, yeah. which doesn't even exist anymore. Oh, they don't exist? I don't think so. <laughs> certainly not in... I don't even know. Certainly not in print form. Probably it's, uh, not. It'd probably be a solo website. It might be, but like I feel like I would have come across, <laughs> like, you know, through, even like just cross post like from like blabbermouth or something like that be like mm-hmm. oh this you know this this alternative press article but i just don't think they exist at all but um because mm-hmm. yeah, there's still um a couple of those songs ended up because there was another failure tribute album that came out like five years later i didn't even know that. that a couple songs that were originally recorded for ours ended up on that oh. um and yeah, there's a, yeah, that was sort of like, that That was like, I, <laughs> that was a very like bittersweet thing for me for a long time. But on the flip side, failure is back together now. So I'm just like, I yeah, can't. so you're, you kind of won there. Yeah. 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 That I, was, I still have the version of the on fire one. Yeah. I have a, um, I have a CDR that you sent me, which, um, which we had to send you. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh. I'd love to get it out in the world somehow someday. But I, could, I mean, we could talk about that. Sure, okay. for sure. We could try to figure that out. Try to figure it out, do yeah. some sort of like, well, it's funny because I'm working on a, um, I'm working on a sort of solo project, but it's like a mm-hmm. mostly covers. Uh, I have like musician friends all over the country, sure. technically all over the world. So it's kind of like, yeah, Here's like a bunch of songs that I love, right? Or here's here's a song. Do what you do on it, and then send it back to me. And then, oh, that's a so, fun way to do it. Yeah. But one of them, there's a there's a failure song that I that is on because I have a list of about fifteen songs, and I'm like, I thought about doing it as a series of like a few EPs rather than like doing like a whole record because 
it's easier to like, okay, I've got five songs. I'm going to put those out. And then, you know, six months later, if I have five more, but right. there is a failure song on there. So that, you know, that that's a possibility. Like maybe doing a set, split seven inch or something like sure, that. Sure, dude. Yeah. Want to do it, man. We That'll be fun. That. Yeah. Uh, we have the digital and we have all that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Which is funny because that version of On Fire, Brad was in it and Jenny was originally On Fire. Yeah. And, but they didn't play in the band at the same time. I gotcha. Because we were together for a long time with lots of changes. And, but neither of them were involved with that song. I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> I think, I don't know if On Fire opened for that Stephen Brodsky show. Maybe. I don't, I don't remember it, honestly. This is, you know, we're going back close to 20 years now at this point. Right. Cause yeah, we, I can't remember if we did. I mean, we might have... Oh, I don't remember. We were just selling records there. It might have been. Um, I don't remember. Where was the show? It was... If I was doing merch, then I wasn't playing. It... It might have been the Middle East upstairs, but I'm not 100% sure. It's possibly played. I can't remember. Yeah. I don't know the flyers. I don't have a lot of the on fire flyers. I yeah. Some, but, I yeah. don't remember because I remember because I got the um, what's his second record? Second song? Uh, uh, Ole Sunday? Yeah, yeah. Ole Sunday. Yeah, we, we, had, we did that too. It was, it was vinyl, but it had the, the spiral CD sound CD EP. No offense to you if you listen, yeah. but that's my favorite part it's of it. Better record. than the full, full yes. length. Yeah. yeah. Sorry to say that, but yeah. it's true. And I love you, Steve, but I'm glad we made you put that in there. Yeah. It's, well, it's <laughs> funny because he just, they just put all of his solo stuff up digitally like two weeks ago. Yeah. Brent did that. It's yeah. on, he's, Brodsky's on the same level as we are. Yeah. Now. Yeah. 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 He was, he was back then. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's music's so funny, and how everybody knows each other. It's yeah. amazing, and I love it so much. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's my favorite part of doing it for sure. Like I've met people all over the damn place because uh, you have too. Yeah. So I mean, it's fantastic, and you just get to know people that you never would have known in your life other. Than that. Yeah. Well, it's funny because someone was asking me recently because you know I had um, mm-hmm. just. Just this year, so I had Adam McGrath back on, and then I yeah, had JR um, on, you know, like a month and a half ago. And, you know, I know those guys a little bit in, in real life now, and someone was asking me about them. They're like, how did you even meet those guys? I was like, I, like, I don't even remember at this point. It was like through people, you know, because at one point it was just like I was a fan of the band, mm-hmm. and... But like I knew somebody and they introduced me to somebody and then like eventually they're just like, oh, all right, this, you know, I know this person or I've seen this person and at our shows enough, enough you know, yeah, or, to have a conversation with. Yeah, which but, is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I only knew Steve back then because Matt Pike, the booking agent, right. not the musician. Not the high on fire guitar player. Not the high on fire sleep guy. Uh, he worked for me at Ryko. Rico disc and yeah. and then we needed some help and he said, Oh, let's hire Brodsky. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And he came in a couple times a week and helped us out in, yeah. the, in the shipping department. Yeah. And yeah, and then we put out his records. Yeah. A, a coworker of mine at Rico, her label, 
her sub, her little label, and my label put out the first one yeah. together, and it was like that was funny. He's the only person that ever worked for me that right. put out a record for. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny, but it's fun, and I love it. Speaking of Ryko, because I know last time we talked, you had just fairly recently done that the the um, fire theft mm-hmm. um, vinyl. Yeah. I, don't even, I don't even think it was a reissue because I think it only came uh, out on CD before. But the only it was the original CD yeah. Yeah. with the art that was my friend Adam did, so I won't trash it. But, yeah. Um, well, it was well, a, it, it was did, a strange design. It didn't really work for what they want. That's yeah. all I'll say. And that's why, and actually Adam was the one who put me in touch with Warner Brothers and yeah. let me do that because, um, you know, as a fan and yeah. I would want to do it, so I did it. Did you, I can't remember from our last conversation, did you do some stuff for Sunny Day Real Estate as well or just the fire theft as far as art? I never did anything for Sunny Day. I gotcha. I did, I did a couple of posters for them for their live shows. Yeah. But I didn't do anything for their band, like, artwork-wise. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Yeah. I thought that was going to be a through line there, because I'm I'm Uh-oh. podcasting with Dan from Sunny Day uh, oh, in August. So, oh, okay. And that's family friend. His, his, oh, mo- you, his mother-in-law is my mom's best friend, so... That's yeah, cool. It's just kind of a weird... Yeah. That's a weird, weird small world, but that's a great thing. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you should tell them when I open their Portland Noon show. Well, that's where I'm. That's I'm talking to him before that show, so I'll have to uh, I'll have to mention it to him. Yeah, I yeah. I messaged Jeremy. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. That's as far as I'll say about that because I haven't heard it. Uh, sure. Uh, and you can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but no, no, it's like I don't know. It's like when you do something, it's like call it a favor here and there. You sure. Know, it's like. But um, but he doesn't know me because he wasn't in the fire that right. So he doesn't know right. me at all. Again. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So yeah. That and and that's one of the things that I keep going back and forth about. Like if I want to bring it up with him, I'm be like, because I love that record. But it's like, and it's it's sunny day real estate ish. Yes. But yes. It's, yeah, it's kind of like it's a little proudier. Yeah, it's definitely like sunny day real estate channeling like. Yes, and stuff like that. Yeah, so. but I love the record, man. Yeah. And it took me a lot of years to go, all right, this is like kind of a Sunday real estate record that they probably wouldn't have written, right. but it's cool. Right. It's a great record on its own. I For think. sure. But For sure. maybe not. I'm glad they didn't call it Sanity real estate. Sure, sure. Um, but it would have been fun to design it if it was. Yeah. <laughs> here's my here's my hackneyed segue. So, okay. Prog Rock... Science fiction. Um, uh, going back to one of my other questions, we're kind of weaving in and out. Uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Oh man, that's a tough question. Right. I think I'm a Trekkie more. All right. All right. I think I love Star Wars movies. I do, but I can't keep up with it. Sure. Star Trek, I do. See, that's funny. I'm to an extent the opposite, but I, I'm just like I think because been a diehard Star Wars guy and always just kind of a, a casual Fairweather. I've seen, I've seen you're a Star, a Star Wars guy. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, um, you bring a guy for me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll get a picture with you with the Jawing. He's always in my pocket. But um, oh, cool. um, Star Trek, I, I had a roommate a couple years ago who was a big Trekkie, and mm-hmm. 
would talk about like lower decks and stuff like that. And I'm like, I, I'm like, I, I understand what it is. I just have never seen it. So like, you know, and I wasn't into like Voyager and deep space nine. So I just never like, I, I have no problem with it. I just never got into it. Like I'm a next gen daddy. Yeah. That's I, it was like, I remember when that was a new show, I was like, Oh, they're coming out with a new star Trek thing. You know? Yeah, me too. I'm old, we're old enough for that. Right. Yeah. I was, uh, it's funny. I, I was living in Silver Spring, Maryland at the okay, time. Sure. And I, I just, uh, I did a road trip down to, um, Key West in February. Mm-hmm. And on the way back, I drove through Silver Spring and drove by our old house, which I haven't lived there since 1988. But I remember, because we had put a new, like, we, we built a new living room, what used to be a garage. We converted it into a living room. And, okay. Yeah. Uh, that was our TV room. And the first thing that we ever watched on TV in the new living room was the premiere of Star Trek Next Generation. So oh, man. for whatever reason, or for that reason, I always associate Star Trek The Next Generation with Silver Spring, Maryland. Fair enough. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Which means it's a made an impact. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Might, might not be Star Wars. But no. Well, and at that point, Star Wars had been done for like a five years, yeah. which when you're, you know, when you're 12 years old, that's half your life right uh-huh. there. And yeah, we, about we didn't think we were ever going to get more yeah. Star Wars. It was so. a lot longer later. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, that was, uh, I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, it's like the old show, but with good special effects, which I'm sure if I went back and watched Next Generation now, the, I'm sure the Oh, it's cheesy. Is, I watch yeah. it. I, I like to fall asleep to it. So, yeah. And, and it puts me to sleep because I know all the episodes so I can wake up and know what's going on. Yeah. It's nice. But, you know, but yeah, it's, it's dated. Yeah. I mean, it came out in what, the Late 80s, 80s, early 90s. I think the first episode was probably like 87. 87? I would guess, but you know what? I'm going to... I may not have gotten into it until later. This is bad podcasting, but I'm pulling up the internet. (laughs) Uh, No one can hear me, but... uh, Uh, Nobody knows anything about this, Scott. Right. Uh, The next generation. I'm narrating what I'm typing. Because we moved to... We moved to Exeter, New Hampshire in uh, 1988. So, uh, okay. uh, September 28, 1987 is when the, when okay. the first episode. Right. So, you, you there we go. It, man. Yeah. I don't think I got it until I was in high school because I used to have it in syndication yeah. on TBS. Yeah. And I used to watch that. It's yeah. crazy to think that, like, two of the records who have had the, the biggest impact on my life, uh, like, through like the entire history were both released in 1987 as well. Well, Appetite for Destruction and Hysteria. Dude, I could go on and on about Hysteria all day. Like, I love that record. I think it is probably one of the best pop records ever in in the world. Well, and the way it was crafted, like, regardless of what you think of Def Leppard, because, and, and, I mean, they're an institution, but, sure, that, and I don't use this word lightly, but that the way that that album was crafted, it's a masterpiece of recording. Oh, um, yeah. You know. 
what's his name? Mutt Lang. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and there's like nine and twelve guitar tracks on each of the songs, and it's like just I mean, it was ambitious, and if that record tanked. It would have been a nightmare, but it didn't. Yeah. yeah. Because it's good. Yeah. The songs are good. Yeah. You know, and it's like, they're still good. And I still listen to it sometimes. Uh, it's not even a guilty pleasure. Right. Like, well, that's the thing, like. And everybody can know that I like oh, Man, I, I mean, I, it's funny because, and it's, you know, again, small world. Um, a buddy of mine who's been on this podcast a couple times, and won't, I won't call him out on it, but he knows. Uh, uh-huh. He's he's become friends with Vivian Campbell, uh, yeah, who but, now lives in, in New Hampshire. Um, he lives in New Hampshire. He lives in New Hampshire. He White Snake too. Yeah. He was in White Snake and Dio and, uh, I didn't know he was in Dio. He was in, yeah, he was in the first incarnation of Dio. He played on the first two, possibly three records. And then he was in White Snake? And then he was in White Snake, uh, and then he left White Snake to join. I saw, I saw him play with White Snake in Manchester, New Hampshire. Wow. Yeah. yeah, with great white opening. Yeah, that oh, wow. dates me a little bit. I well, it's funny because his first actual album that he played with Def Leppard was Slang, which is the album that doesn't sound like Def Leppard at all. Mm. Which again, I love that album, but it's, it's a good record. It's, it's, a, it's a really solid record. It just doesn't sound like Def Leppard a, at all. It's a departure for sure. But there's two songs that he wrote by himself, which are like two of my favorite Def Leppard songs. And I told my friend, I was like, "Hey, tell him." Uh, well, because my friend's not a Def Leppard fan. He's, like, big into, like, Rancid and the Dropkick Murphys, but, okay. like, which I think works in his favor, being friends with someone who's in a band that famous, that if you're not into the band, he's like, all right, he's not going to fanboy out on me. I can just talk to him about cars and golfing. Right. But uh, I was like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I've told him that I have a friend who's a huge Def Leppard fan, and I'm like, tell him these songs are, like, two of my favorite Def Leppard songs. I was like... He'll, I was like, he might appreciate it, he might not. I was like, but I'm being genuine. So no, that's fantastic. Yeah. I think that's great that you could get the ear to that guy because it's yeah. like it's fantastic when people hear that stuff. You know, when people, yeah. Are you... No, don't be sorry. It's uh, um, truth be told, I don't really want to see the movie. I, it's funny because I I go to the movies all the time by myself and I'm sure, totally I fine with it. Yeah. And um, I, I mean, I was at the movies earlier today. Oh. Uh, uh, but I had two friends in the last week hit me up and be like, Hey, do you want to go to the movies? And I was like, sure. If it works out for, you know, schedule and stuff like that. Yeah. But with, you know, working nights and stuff, I, it, it kind of ends up being like uh-huh. Tuesday's my only full day off every week. Um, cause I'm still doing watch repair one day a week. Oh yeah. So, so yeah. uh, yeah, but it is what it is. Um, yeah. Let's see. What do you got next, man? So I'm yeah. pretty sure I know the answer to this one already, but uh, cats or dogs? Uh, I think you know the answer to that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know where he went, but he's around. Ed, uh, Edward's been kind of yeah. circling us. Yeah, I'm going to go with cats. I, mean, like, I grew up with them. Yeah. I love dogs, too. They're great. I just... I've never been able to have one. I just never yeah. really wanted one. And I don't know, cat. I've had, I had one. My last cat was nineteen when she wow. passed away, and um, and then I waited a while, and then finally I got this guy. He's six, and yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, he's a he's like a big cat. Yeah, no, 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 not he's fat, but he's not <laughs> that. 
he's not that fat. He's yeah, he's a he's 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 long too. He's a very long cat, yeah. and he's a very large cat. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've just always loved cats, and yeah, so yeah. I had a dog and a cat. Yeah. Uh, last time we talked, um, they, they they've both passed since. Oh then. no! I'm sorry. Well, it, it happens, I, but I've been like for the last probably six months. I'm like mm-hmm. I feel like it's time. Like I'm, I'd be ready to get one. The problem is now. Like ideally, I would love to get a cat, but my living situation now, I can't have a cat. I can have a dog, but I'm. Well, you have a cat, but they'll have a dog. Well, it's it's an allergy thing. So, oh. um, but I'm just like, because I'm like, I, with my schedule, like, a cat's a pretty low maintenance pet as far like they're pretty independent. Where a dog, you need to give you know, give them a lot of attention you and like, walk them all. The yeah, time yeah. If you're not around, yeah. And I'm just I'm not at the point yet. It for for me my. My last dog was actually perfect for my lifestyle because she was deaf. So it was like, as like if you walk out of the room for more than ten minutes, she's fast asleep. So you know, and a lot of times she would be out for hours at a time. Like you could come over and shake her, and she'd wake right up. But like because she couldn't hear anything, she was just like once she was asleep, she was out. So when I was gone a lot, like it wasn't really a detriment to her. So it was just like you know, but mm-hmm. a dog that doesn't have that. They need more attention. They need more attention. And stimulated by sound. For sure. For so sure. If you're, if you're rocking some converts, that might upset you <laughs> a little bit. Uh, Which I'm known to do from time to time. I can't imagine you would, dude. Right. But uh, the, uh, no, my last cat went deaf, too. Oh, really? she, she was probably like 16 when she went deaf. Yeah. And I didn't notice it at first. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I was calling her and she didn't answer. She didn't move. And I'm like, and then I went up behind her and I was like, hey. She didn't respond at all. I was yeah. Like, oh crap! You're deaf. I didn't yeah. know. Huh. Uh, and she just went. She was gone deaf, but she ended up having kidney problems. Gotcha. This was a cat that lived to nineteen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She almost made it to twenty. She was no, almost made it to nineteen. She was eighteen three quarters years, but I had her since she was a kitten, so I had her forever. And she moved everywhere with me. Yeah. I moved in. I moved everywhere. I got divorced with her. Yeah. I was with another woman with her. And I had another girlfriend like later. And yeah. She moved all around the country with me. She was great. Well, my cat was a stray that I that literally followed me home from the bar in Arizona. Nice. And then uh, when I moved back to the east, she came with me. And then I lived in about five different places. Being back in New Hampshire, she, she came with me, and too. They, they ended up not caring. No. Well, and I think cats are pretty adaptable. Well, yeah, but as long as you're there, right? They don't care. Yeah, and they recognize their stuff. Right. If they recognize your stuff, they recognize where they are. They, yeah. They don't care. It's like show me where my food is. Show yeah. me where I poop, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. The dog was every time I moved. The dog was a, a wreck for about a week and a half, and then sure. and then she was like, "Oh, all right." You're gonna come back when you leave, go out the door. You're gonna come back. Yeah, it's all new to them. And yeah, they get it. Yeah, yeah, cats are a lot more easy, but that's yeah. why I like them because they're just they come to you when they want it. Yeah, and like other than that, they can do their own thing. Yeah, they'll interact on their terms. Right, and yeah. Edward does his own thing half the time, and he's great. My roommates love him too. It's nice. Yeah, too. Um, yeah. So I don't know. So it doesn't have to be. A number one of all time, but like, what's a favorite book of yours? 
Favorite Pokemon? Yeah. I can answer that. Cool. Prefero and Mini. Okay. Uh, Written by John Irving. Uh, yes. From, and that book is set in Exeter, New Hampshire. Yes, it is. Yeah. And that's not why I loved it. I didn't <laughs> know that when I wrote, uh, I mean, I knew it when I read it. But, right. But I didn't know that beforehand. And yeah. It's a, I don't know, I love it. Yeah. It's just a great book. It's one of my favorites ever. It's a terrible film adaptation, but. Oh, uh, what was it? Simon Birch. Simon Birch. Yeah, not, not great. Uh, I mean, it was fine, but it did not do the book justice at all. Yeah. That's a book I I should revisit that because I loved it when I read it and it was like relatively new within a year or two when I read it mm-hmm. and then um, I remember it being kind of like kind of like keeping it a little bit of a secret because it was like you know I was probably mm-hmm. seventeen or eighteen when it came out and you know still living at home I after college yeah uh, my friend our teleplayer Jenny turned me on to it and and. Uh, She turned me on to John Irving in general. Yeah. But thought that that's where I should start. I sure. She said that. Um, somebody said it. I don't. I think it was her. But, uh, and I started there, and it was fantastic. I read some of his other stuff, too. Hotel New Hampshire was great. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I delve. I went backwards from there, and then I started reading his, like, current books up to a point, and then I just kind of, like, I was like, these are getting more and more, like, like, strange there was also there's like a lot of bizarre familial sex in a lot of them and i was just like all right i i'm, I'm tapping out. i didn't get that far so yeah. I, didn't, I don't know but that sounds bizarre yeah but i don't know maybe it's a new hampshire thing <laughs> i grew up there i'm allowed to say it sure sure <laughs> i well it's you know at the last job i had when i worked at trader joe's i would often talk shit about massachusetts which i'm like i'm allowed to i was born in gloucester Oh, uh, fair enough. Yeah. yeah, you can talk crap about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's funny because there was a, a a manager that I worked with who, you know, she's she's great. I, I We're good friends. And, you know, I actually married her and her husband because uh, I'm an ordained minister. But she's from, oh, cool. she's from Medford and oh, yeah. has a very distinct, <laughs> you know, that accent. And, like, yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> when she found out I was born in Gloucester, she's like, how come you don't have an accent? I was like, oh, I don't want people to think I'm an idiot. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a New Hampshire accent, too. For sure. I, I don't I, have it because my parents aren't from New Hampshire. Right. So I don't have it. I, grew, I was born in Virginia. Okay. And my what dad, part of Virginia? My dad's from Pennsylvania. My mom's from Western Mass. So yeah. Yeah. I was born in Charlottesville. Okay. Yeah, okay. Home of Dave Matthews Band. All right, there you go. Yeah, claim to fame there. It's my, my, my favorite band that literally shit on their fans. You know you know that story. I know. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, yeah, well, I was never really a fan. I like, we were talking about the, actually, funny enough, we were talking about the first record yesterday, Band Practice. The um, Remember Two Things or no, uh, Under uh, the Table and Dreaming? That one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that wasn't really the first one. Well, the... The remember two things is a live album, so it depends on how you define. Stuff. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Well, the first major label one, sure, and then uh, and, you know some of that's really good. Yeah, but then I didn't. I don't like what they ended up being. So not my thing. Well, it was one of those things. Like, cause I have. Funny enough, that uh, that 
that woman uh, from Medford, her yeah. and her husband are both huge Dave Matthews fans, and like whenever I go over to their house, okay. that's all that's playing, and I'll oh, I'll make fun of them about it, and they're just like, yeah, we like the Dave Matthews band. Like, what's your problem? And I was like, I don't have a problem. Also, I was like, you're the same age as me. Like, you shouldn't care what I think about. Like, listen right. to what you want yeah. to listen to. Yeah, exactly. I'm just age. like, I love you know going back to it. I was like, I love Def Leppard, so. Take my opinion for what that's worth. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, that's the thing we were talking about earlier. Is like, when you get older, it's like, who cares what you like? Man? Yeah. It's like, we, we used to be so like, oh my God, that's not that cool. I can't tell anybody I like Sure. This. Yeah. And it's like, I got into Toe the Wet Sprocket when yeah. I was in high school. Yeah. And I was listening to Deicide and <laughs> Morbid Angel and I don't know, whatever the hell else is going on then. Yeah. Um, in that scene. And then I was also listening to like tons of leeway and yeah. hardcore bands and stuff. And probably even early converged at that point too. Yeah. But the, uh, yeah, but I saw, I, I hadn't seen Tell the Woods Rocket really until the Bill Clinton inauguration where my family and I were down there and we, I saw them on the National Mall. Playing, yeah. And I was like, these guys are really good. And then yeah. I got really into it. And then I heard Pale. Yeah. And I was like, it's the most depressing thing I ever heard. Oh, yeah. And I got my heart broken in high school. And and that was like my soundtrack. Yeah. I um, I, was, I used to work for Strawberries. Uh, yes. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, it was when they're, what ended up being their last song before they broke up. I know they're back together now, as is every 90s band, but uh, yeah. Coil, which... Uh, I love that record. I really like that record, and I, I really love the artwork, too, which Dave McKean did, which he's like one of my favorite visual artists. It's my favorite album cover they had. Yeah, uh, but we worked an event through Strawberries, uh, so we like got backstage and whatnot, and my co-worker was also my girlfriend at the time, and uh, Glenn Phillips was like, hey, we're doing like an after party thing, you know, we should come. And I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be cool. We should, you know, we'd love to come. He's like, no, not the two of you, just her. Oh, uh, no. I was, so I was just like, oh, <laughs> Glenn Phillips is kind of a dick. He's trying to like hit on my girlfriend. We didn't end up going, but she's like, yeah, we I might go for a little while. I was just like, uh, there you go. I was like, then you gotta find your own ride back to New Hampshire from Boston. Yeah, because yeah. I'm going home. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I and uh, I also remember uh, the drummer being a real dick to us too, and I was, was just it? like, uh, which is weird because I don't like, think he plays drums for him. I don't think so. No, because no, we saw him at the Cabot. Yeah. Well, he wasn't the. It was some younger. He's very short. The original drummer. I remember. And I never realized, you know, from looking from albums, the way that they're photographed, they like kind of like hid the fact. Like, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm talking like maybe like four foot ten, something like that. Oh, really? You know, I thought he was the singer because they were positioned him up front. Right. Am I right on that? Yeah. No, you're definitely right on that. But I, I. I think it was like a forced perspective thing that they. I thought did. it was Glenn Phillips forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh man, now I have to, uh, I have to go back and listen to. I gotta, I'm making a playlist in my head to listen to when I get home. I, I listen to Wish on. for Eden, and then you know, Toad the Wet Sprocket, maybe just, some Gin Blossoms. Just throw on some Pale and New Miserable Experience. We're good, right? And uh, that'll get you home. Although my favorite Toad the Wet Sprocket album is. 
Dulcinea, actually. Oh, dude, that's fantastic. Such a great record. record. Yeah, the, I mean, those three, the, I mean, all four of those are great. Yeah. It wasn't fear, Hail, Dulcinea, Coil. Yeah, Fear was great. I mean, I loved all that stuff back then. I still do. I mean, I we saw when Jenny and some friends of ours saw them at the Cabot, and it was fantastic. Yeah. And it was great. I mean, the crowd is ridiculous now. It's like, yeah, it's like, but it always was. They're AAA kind of right. temporary alt rock, you know. Right. And it's like, but the songs are so good. Oh yeah, they don't do. They didn't do anything off pale. Yeah, bum out. They did one tune, but it was like an acoustic-y length. Right. And it wasn't good. I do remember. So my first Toad the Red's rocket song I ever heard was Walk on the Ocean, which yeah, was like their breakout too. single. But the first time I heard it was on MTV. And so I bought the CD single, uh, loved it. And like, I don't remember what the B-sides were. I'll have to look when I get home. It was probably all that comp. Was it the syrup one or whatever the heck it was called? Oh, in like syrup? Yeah, was that all the B-sides? Yeah. But what's interesting is, so then I bought uh, uh, Fear, the album yeah. that it came from, and... So the version that's in the video and the single has an extra chorus on it because it doesn't do the chorus. Like, the chorus ends the song in the video. So, like, when I heard the album, it just ends very abruptly. And I was just like, I didn't realize that. wait a minute. But because I was familiar with the single version first, like, whenever I would make people mixtapes back in the day, I always would put the single version on. I loved doing that back in the day. Yeah. When there was an alternate take on yeah. the single. Yeah. I miss CD singles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny because, like... I used to collect them. If I'm a fan of them, I'd buy them. Particularly, like, the European or the Japanese oh, import the singles. Part. And then... And the European ones are great. Like, all the British bands, like, with theirs. Yeah. Like, Radiohead and all that stuff. All that stuff ends up coming out, but... Well, that's the thing now is, like... Because that's the only real place that labels are making money is with catalog reissues now. Sure. And, I'm, you know, I see these collections, like, they, they did it with, Warner did it with, like, the first four Tori Amos records they put yes. out. And I'm looking at it, and, you know, there's a second disc, sometimes a third disc of B-sides. Yeah, the deluxe edition. Yeah, I'm like, so I paid $25 for this, but back in the 90s, I paid $250 to buy all these songs, you know, at... Ten bucks oh, a pop on all the import singles, you know. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy how. Yeah. And like the thing that like, because I still have a huge CD collection, but to yeah. most people they're worthless now. They are worth. I sold a lot of mine. Yeah. But I still have piles of them in the basement. I yeah. just don't, I don't have anywhere to set them up. Yeah. I, mean, I theoretically could have set them up in here, but I'm moving in August. Right. Like yeah. I'm bother. Uh, maybe I'll be able to set them up. I do have a CD player. Just in my closet. I just haven't sent it up. Yeah. But I um also has a tape player. I, I do have I bought a um I bought a just the cheap C D cassette boombox from Target a few years ago just because a lot of bands now um are releasing it. Are just cassettes or whatever and I was like I need something to put this I, out on. I don't know. You know but I, it's like they were problematic back then. Yeah. Well, it's strange to me now that new cassette, you know, because a lot of big bands now release their album on cassette as well. 
Yeah, the cassette's more expensive yeah. than the CD to buy. It's like the CD's like yeah. $13.99, the cassette's $16.99. I'm like, this was never a superior format. It was no. always, like, the selling point of cassette was mm-hmm. the portability of it. Yeah. You know, and because you could record on it. You couldn't record on a record, but you could, you know, you could dub a record onto a tape. And but, you couldn't record a CD back then. Right, then, but, right. You know, then eventually you could. Right. But you needed a computer to do it. Yeah. Yeah, so it's yeah. like... I think it's just, it's a weird, like, I, I, I can't imagine people who are buying cassettes are, really are playing them. Yeah. And a lot of the cassettes come with a digital download now. Which is fine and stuff like that. It's cute. Which is funny because we, we played at a FET in Philly. Have you heard of that place? Uh-uh. It's, a, it's called the FET Lounge. They have a bigger and a small room, but we played the small room a couple times and we had our merch table set up and... Our the the rec, we had a label in Dallas decided to re-release our retrospective all yeah. our old stuff yeah. and on CD yeah he's got a market for CDs I don't know how he does but he does yeah and um, he wanted to put it out so we we're like sure Magic I mean not Magic Bullet but Dark Operative and Pex didn't want to put it out on CD yeah. so, or vinyl at the time so the uh, they let said, go ahead, he can do it. And then, um, so he did it, and we had him on the merch table, and we were playing with the band Pile, mm-hmm. and this girl came up, and a lot of RISD kids are there, yeah. so, you know, we're there playing, like, there's a lot of younger people, and it's on the merch table, and this girl comes up to the merch table and goes, oh, you have CDs? That's so cute. <laughs> Very condescending. We thought that was amazing. Yeah, and that's the funniest thing. Which then made us realize that we're now playing the um, alive or not game. Like, were they born when we were a band the first time? Right. Or not. Right. Because they could theoretically have not been. Sure. Sure. So you know, because eighteen, you get into a club. Right. So theoretically, they weren't alive when we were a band. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I've. That's uh, fun. All the bands probably get that now. Oh yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. And it's funny because, like, you know, like, you know, when I worked at Trader Joe's, there was a wide swath of ages that I worked. Sure, with, you know, sure, like sure. Yeah. Seventeen to like sixty-seven. Yeah. And there was, you know, music and movies are the things that I, I end up talking about a lot. And like, I remember a couple of years ago talking to a coworker that I've known. I worked with him in a couple jobs now, and mm-hmm. talking about. Batman and you know seeing um, the original yeah seeing the the Michael Keaton one in the theater and he's like when did that come out I was like summer of 89 he's like oh yeah I wasn't born for another like five years or whatever (laughs) Um, which it's weird because this summer is like summer of 89 deja vu because Mm -hmm. Michael Keaton just played Batman again in the flash and um, oh, I didn't later in the summer of 89 Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade came out and at the end of this week the new Indiana Jones movie Which comes I out. can't wait for. Yeah, I'm 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 skeptically optimistic that well, yeah. Crystal Skull was terrible. Yeah. Uh, well, well uh, I'm hoping that the theory that the odd numbered ones are good. Uh so yes, we'll see. I could hope for that. Uh, yeah. Harrison Ford's been Taking a lot of ass with his acting, so yeah. I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give him a chance. 
Yeah, and he's also just like, yeah, I'll play all of my old characters again. I and care. make it work. And yeah. make it work around me being old. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I saw this drinking. That was fantastic. I've heard great things about that. I haven't seen it. It's fantastic. And then I watched 1923, which is great, too. Yeah. And, you know, he's killing it. Yeah. Uh, he's 80 and just wants to work. On right. It. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, so, on the topic of CDs, so I'm assuming the new Burning Paris is not coming out on CD. It's it is. is Same it? label is doing it. Good, good. I'm excited because... You want a CD? Of course, even we'll, though... We'll I, get you a CD, sir. Perfect. As much as I love vinyl, yeah. CD was the format that like I built my collection on, and that's still like my preferred That's preferred your preferred? Okay. Yeah. Right. Which is funny because like people are surprised. Like I don't... I don't buy that much new stuff on vinyl. I mean, vinyl prices are through the roof now. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I have to pare it down, too. I can't afford that. It's all. basically, there's a list of, like, maybe five bands that I'll buy their new album on vinyl, you know, sight unseen, and then it's usually Friends. I'll buy their stuff on, a lot of times because that's the only thing that it's physically coming out on. But also, yeah. like, most of the vinyl that I buy, I, 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 mm-hmm. I'm a bargain bin shopper. I'm just like... Yeah, yeah. I've noticed that yeah. on your Facebook. Yeah. There's a, that's you know, cool. That's great. You the record it. store that I go to, Bull Moose in Portsmouth, yeah. they have a $3 bin. And it's, you know, it's like... Good I stuff. Yeah. You know, it's certainly stuff that's worth $3 to listen it's to. It's just stuff that... You wouldn't probably have bought at full price for sure. Like, yeah. and and it's funny because I, like, I found the Stand by Me soundtrack the other day, which I had never I seen on vinyl before. Yeah. I've had it on CD for forever, but it's you know because they're all songs from the fifties. Yeah, it's great. It's Ten songs. It's like a twenty-two minute CD. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I don't need this on both CD and vinyl. I'm actually keeping the vinyl version and I'm trading the CD. Oh, that's in. fun to have because I didn't even know that came out. Oh yeah, yeah, I didn't know it was out on vinyl because that was like it was '87, so it was like the well, tail end of. It like, makes sense that it would have come out then. Yeah, yeah but, uh, that's funny because I've never even. I would have bought that too. Yeah, uh, and right. I found the uh, the Cat People soundtrack that Giorgio oh, yeah. Morato. It was. Um, David Bowie did the title track for that movie. It's okay. it's kind of a weird, like, pseudo-erotic horror movie from the early 80s. Um, it's not a great movie, but it's... Uh, um, uh, Giorgio Moroto Mer- uh, did, like... He wrote the theme to The NeverEnding Story. Oh, and, okay. Like, sure, sure. Um, he did a lot of weird stuff in the 80s, and he did the soundtrack to that. And that's, again, not something I would buy full price or wasn't even looking for it's but fun to check out yeah i was like oh yeah. for three bucks why not you know yeah no that's worth just, checking out. just the david bowie song alone is worth three bucks for me yeah right yeah. and you know but you're a fan of physical media yeah which i am too because you know being a designer i hate digital media but yeah you know and it's like how can you make it an impact with something that's this big yeah you know? it's like you can't you know but you just i mean i don't know Physical media is the way to go, and you just have to hope that people care enough to want to own the physical media. Yeah. I don't care if you can play it. If you want to look at it, that's cool, too. Right. You know, it's like, because, you know, people like me spend a lot of time on it. That's, it's funny. I, um, you know, I was talking earlier about how I was coming in and talking to, talking to an ex who I'm friends with who. Right, yeah. Her, her biggest lament when we lived together was, 
there was always stacks of CDs in the bathroom because whenever, you know, whenever I'm sitting on the toilet, I would bring a CD in with me because I would just, I'm constantly pouring over liner notes and it doesn't yeah, matter if it's something that I've looked at uh, uh, 20 reading. times. I love reading like yeah. who thank, who they're thanking, but also like who's playing slide guitar on this song. You know, I love Do I know who that is? Yeah. Yeah. And then like, you know, and that's how I discovered new bands way back in the day before Spotify. It's like, Oh, this band that I like, thank these bands. Let me check them out and see what they're like. Which is how we're doing Spotify now. Yeah. Which is, I mean, Iris, it's like the liner notes are key and you don't get that on Spotify. Right. But you can look it up still. Yeah. And, you know, Discogs, even if you're not going to buy a vinyl, you can see generally the liner notes. Right. And to know who played on it. But I don't know, Spotify, I mean, during the pandemic, I spent a lot of time rabbit holing, yeah. you know, during there, finding stuff and just going on, like, I kind of like this, and then looking at what people like that like that, and yeah. furthermore, furthermore. Excuse me. Oh, yeah, no problem. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. It's like I found a lot of stuff that way, and I don't know. I still like to put up pictures of vinyl on Facebook. For sure. Because... I don't like posting songs because I like the art and yeah. I like looking at it and I like people to see that I'm the, and if they're interested, they can go find it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, it's funny because you mentioned design before. Is there any, anything recent that you've worked on that you can talk about that you're, that you were excited about for design work? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, my day job is my day job. Right. I don't talk about that much because yeah. One, I think there's an NDA, and I'm not supposed to talk about sure. the companies I work for, but uh, uh, album packaging-wise, I haven't done a lot. I have a couple coming at me that I'm going to be doing, but um, right. most recent thing is my old label, Dopamine, put out a Bluebird record, Okay, and um, we did that um, back in the day, and the, the drummer and the band wanted to do a reissue of it 20 years later. Yeah. And so they put that on vinyl and I got to revisit it. That's cool. But with better skills. Sure. Uh, when I first did it, I was just getting into design. Yeah. And I had these great photos to work with. So by this deceased artist, uh, photographer, um, uh, James Fee. And, uh, and, um, and I got to work with his photos, which made it a lot easier. Yeah. But to go back and revisit font choices and just layout and stuff like that, yeah. it was way more interesting to me and came out fantastic. So I'm really proud of that one. Nice. Yeah. So. Nice. I know you did some of the um, earlier Caspian albums, some of the design work and stuff like that for that. I did the first three full on myself and then I collaborated with Phil our guitar player okay. for a couple and then actually I did four because I did the live album too but and then I collaborated with, collaborated with him on um, Waking Season okay, which was his concept but I helped execute it and him for the greater, greatest generation I helped him with that yeah. it was his concept but I helped them finish it up and um 
Well, I haven't done anything for them in a long time. Yeah, you haven't. So you didn't work on that reissue that they have coming out. Um, the on oh, circles. Yeah. No, I have not done. I did not work on that. Gotcha. That was Jordan Butcher. It's a fantastic designer. Yeah. Great guy too. I, I, mean, I used to know him from. He was in Frodo's, I believe. Right? Okay. Yeah, that yeah. sounds right. Yeah, he was in Frodo's, and um, I kind of knew him because I'm friends with Shelby a little bit. Yeah. And um, the uh, yeah, which is great. I mean, they just want to do different stuff with different artists. And sure, for them. But I did yeah. a lot of their stuff, so right. as well as put out the first couple of records. Right, but, right. Um, but you know, the um, Dark Operative has all the reissues of the early stuff. Yeah. So I was able to revisit those too. Very cool. Yeah, which is nice because the four trees we never got right. Ever. Right. And then I think we finally nailed it after God knows how many years later. <laughs> it's like we finally were able to revisit it and just go at the end of it, Phil and I go, I think this is what it's staying as. Right. Finally. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. So I know we had talked uh, before we were recording about um, you're going to have a record release show. Um, yeah. Yeah. And where's that going to be at? It's going to be in Beverly. Yeah. Um, we're not sure the date yet, but um, um, if you're listening to this, I'll have said the date in the intro. So yeah, we, we can't really talk about the date yet because we don't know yet. Yeah. But uh, it will be in Beverly, so keep an eye out on that. Cool. And um, Scott will let you know exactly when it is when he opens this conversation on a later date. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so so that's a pretty good place to stop. But I, I have one last question. Okay. Might be the most important question that I ask. Yeah. Every, everyone gets asked this question, but okay. what's your favorite dinosaur? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Right. But I want to say Brontosaurus because they're cute. Yeah. But I think it's Stegosaurus is badass. Fair enough. Yes, yeah. nice. this is the spikes. Yeah, I love it. It's, yeah, it's an ornery animal, and I love it. I'm a Triceratops. Down okay, myself. I can get down with that too. Yeah. That's a close second to Stegosaurus. I think I, I think it harkens back to you know bringing it all full circle to New Hampshire again. Uh, it harkens back to like the early issues of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because they had these like space. They were called Triceratons, but they were basically anthropomorphic. Triceratops that were like these space villains that they fought in a cup, and I just loved the design so much that like I drew them for years and years and years, and then I was, you know, my other ridiculous plastic passion other than collecting CDs is collecting action figures. Sure, I found a like a high end collectible version of that earlier this year. I'd been looking for it for about a year when I saw it. Like I didn't know it existed, That's cool. and then through Instagram I saw pictures of it, and then. You found it, yeah in 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 a record store of all places. Oh no uh, kidding! Where? Well, barely a record store. Fye, you know the mall record store. I oh, just, you found it there? Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, does that still exist? Unfortunately, it does. Where? Um, the Fox Run Mall where I work. One day there's still one there. Yeah, but it's funny because they like they keep like every six months they keep cutting their music section further and further down. What are they selling now? Novelties? It's like, yeah, it's like they recom. It's, yeah, yeah. it's all t-shirts and socks and, you know, uh-huh. you know, um, all the little blind bag things that are like, I'm like, do people really buy these? Like, 
uh-huh. you know, like bag clips and stuff. It just junk. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know we'll wrap it up, but the uh, Newberry Comics actually has a pretty decent lineup collection. Yeah. Days, I found. And their top 40 is always on sale, too. It was on a trip down to, um, down to the Mid Atlantic a few months ago, a couple months ago, and um, I we had to stop um, for a couple hours, um, and uh, I had I was tasked with walking around a mall because my girlfriend had meetings to do. Yeah, and she had to sit in the car while we were on the trip, so I had to kill time in, in somewhere in wasn't it was before New York City in New yeah. York somewhere and it was like the Westchester Mall that was okay yep. and I had to spend two hours walking around a mall which is not my jam <laughs> and uh, I'm walking around I went to the Apple store and I'm like cool I need a new mouse that's fine I did spend some time there and then across the way when I walked out of the Apple store was a Newberry Comics and I was like I found my Mac out of yep. my life. I shopped for records for like 50 minutes. Nice. I looked through everything and bought some stuff. But like, yeah, it was, I was like, if I, I think I would have gone insane if I had to sit there without that. Sure. But it's funny. I still get a charge out of going into record stores. Me um, too. I, I was in northern New Hampshire and Vermont a couple of weeks ago with a friend who. Okay. We actually, you know, we met 25 years ago working at a record store at Strawberries, and she lives in Indonesia now, but she's back, and we were we were in Rutland, Vermont, and we were walking around, and she's like, there's a record store, do you want to go in? And I'm like, well, that's a loaded question. I was like, because, <laughs> I was like I'll always want to go into a record store, but... question is, do you? I was like, do you, like, I'm going to be in there for a while if we go in, so I'm just like, I'm fine with not going in. But if we if if we make the decision to go in, and she's like, no, no, we'll go in, and you know, after five minutes, she's like, I, I'm going to go back to the farmers market, just find me afterwards, you know, yeah. and then you know, and I walked out with a stack, you know, probably this big, you know, foot mm. and a half tall of, yeah. and and again, I didn't even, it, it was just the bargain rack that I looked through, and I I could I can make a I can make an event out of going to any record store, yeah. Even if there's nothing I want to buy, yeah, it's just fun. I mean, as a designer, yeah, I love looking at artwork from bands that like that's what got me into music in the first place. When yeah, I was little my dad's record collection. I'd flip through and be like, "That is the coolest thing. I want to do that when I get old. Design that, and I get to do it." So, what's your what's your favorite album cover of all time? Oh man, that's a tough question. Just aesthetically, like aesthetically. Doesn't even have to be music that you necessarily like. Oh, I like the music of most of them because I, strangely, I don't buy vinyl of artwork I don't like. Sure. Like it doesn't matter how much I love the record. Yeah. If I don't like it, um, I think honestly the one I go back to in my head constantly that I love the most is Spoons. Give me fiction. That's pretty good. Give me fiction. That yeah. artwork just kills me. Yeah. I look at it. It's just mysterious and perfect. And I don't know. I, I could name other ones that I love yeah. close to equally, but yeah. that is my jam. It's funny. I've What's yours? I'm, I was thinking about that after I 
said that, but also talk like because I think about like influential records. Um, sure. And because a lot of times the artwork was the first thing that um, drew you into it. Drew me into stuff, particularly before the internet. Like I remember, I picked up, I found a a cassette of Tools Opiate, and it yeah. has the six armed priest on the cover. Yep. Which I was mad because they did a like a twenty, I think twenty, yeah, twentieth anniversary, no, maybe thirtieth anniversary reissue uh, on vinyl, but they completely changed the cover, mm-hmm. and I'm like, and like, but probably the album that I would say is my favorite album cover and I've grown to love the album, but it didn't sound anything like I was expecting mm-hmm. was brain salad surgery by Emerson Lake and Palmer. No kidding. Uh, yeah. Which is, you know, an HR Giger painting. Yeah. Um, which I, you know, it's very dark and, you know, uh, you know, for those not familiar, he's the guy who also designed the, the Xenomorph from aliens um, yes. a couple of years later, but it's a skull with a woman's mouth. on yeah. it. And, so I was expecting like a dark, ominous thing, and it's Prague, you know. Uh, yeah. And I love that exactly record. Right. Yeah, yeah. But it, it had to grow on me for a while. I mean, I was also like the the uh, Surfer Rosa by the Pixies drew right. in, but I was just kind of like, wait, there's a topless woman on here. Is that even allowed? I, I have a print of that from the photographer. Oh wow! Yeah, Simon Wildbuster. Nice. I have, his, I have that, and I have the red. Actually, my second favorite would be a close second is Red House Painters Town Colorville. Yep. With the bed. Yep. Oh, I have that print of that, too. All of, all of their album covers are stunning. Um, yeah, they were. And we, uh, I used to work for a music marketing company, and we oh, yeah? we worked on a bunch of the Sun Kill Moon albums, which is diff- completely different aesthetic. But still, Mark Kozlik. Well, uh, yeah, the, sun, the second time come, the first one not so much, but the second one was very Red House Painters looking for sure, yeah. for sure. And even the third one, Among the Leaves, yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And I think they always do keep that thing. I know the I kind of I don't really know him, no, but I, Brian Azer does all the Kozlik songs though. Gotcha. But I don't know. Is it, is it cool? We're talking about Kozlik. It's it's funny because we. Had, <laughs> We know. talked about Ryan Adams earlier, and it's tough. With I that. don't know about that one yet. Yeah, it's. Uh, I had to. I don't know. I, I haven't been able to listen to Mark Koslick since stuff has come out about him. I I, it, I can listen to it on occasion, but it doesn't have the same depth to me. Anymore. Sure. It, it, it kind of lost. Ryan Adams lost me for a while too, but I believe in redemption. So yeah. who knows? Maybe it'll change. But yeah. right now, I'm not the biggest Kozlik fan. Yeah. But I'm not judging because I wasn't in the room and I don't know anything about anything. So Sure. You know, sure. Just like I could say that about God and stuff. Right. I'm just a little guy and I'm not in the room. So <laughs> I don't know what's going on for it. <laughs> well, that's a good place to... I think... Can we leave it on the next essential it? What's that? We can leave it on that existential note. Right? Oh, for sure. For okay. sure. Stegosaurus right. is the best dinosaur. That's what we've determined. And when we're human beings, we have no idea what we're talking about. It's true. Okay, cool. I like that. Awesome. Well, thank you again for for taking the time to talk to me. And, you know, yeah, yeah it's been great. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. And thanks for coming to my house. Yeah, and I really dig the record, and I'm stoked for it to come up. Thank you. We'll uh, we'll get you a CD. Sweet. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, man.